You never believed the rumors. The stories about this house were always changing. Everyone had their own version to tell. It was just your run-of-the-mill urban legend. You know the kind. The ones that small towns, just like the one you live in, would use to drive up tourism or to scare kids into not sneaking out after curfew. You suppose that's what brought you here in the first place. You get tired of hearing people go on and on about this creepy old house and the supposed ghosts that haunt its decrepit hallways, and you wanted to put a stop to it once and for all. To finally confirm that all these campfire stories were just that, stories. Tall tales told in the middle of the woods, in the dark of night by a glowing fire. But deep down, a part of you knew you were really doing this for yourself, didn't you? Now on the surface, you were always the skeptic, laughing at those ghost hunting TV shows and their exaggerated reactions that would make your eyes roll with cringe. Way down in the back of your mind lingered a hint of doubt, like a shadow lingering there in the corner of your eye. Just your imagination, you tell yourself. But you wouldn't imagine that music coming from down the hall now, would you? Someone must have gotten here before you. Of course, they came to try and scare you, and that must be it. Of course, that's the most rational explanation. Then as you take a step, the music stops. Interrupted by the loud, ear-splitting sound of the floorboards creaking with every step you take. That little voice inside your head that was so confident that the things that go bump in the night were nothing more than the campfire stories. The voice that laughed at those ghost hunting shows on television. The voice that convinced you to come here on Halloween night and prove that once and for all, that ghosts aren't real. Well, that voice goes quiet music from down the hall fades back in and the thing that you think you saw out of the corner of your eye has disappeared your blood runs cold with an icy shiver that tingles your spine and twists your stomach into knots because that thing that thing from the corner of your eye is now staring back at you from the end of the hall and the only thing you can think of is what's gonna happen when the music finally stops Welcome, ghouls and goblins, to the first ever Paranormal Pit Stop Halloween special. Since we have had an outpouring of support from all of our supporters and listeners this year, we thought it would be fun to give everyone a special holiday treat to end the spooky season. This episode will feature two bite-sized ghost stories from around Kentucky, all in one bone-chilling episode. So turn down the lights, pour some candy in a bowl for the trick-or-treaters outside, and light those jack-o'-lanterns bright as we dive into the Paranormal Pit Stop Halloween Double Feature.
Tapophobia, the fear of being incorrectly pronounced dead and, as a result, being buried alive. A fate that, before the era of modern medicine, was not entirely unheard of. I mention this because a young woman born deep within the hills of eastern Kentucky, in the small town of Pikeville, was said to have suffered this wretched fate shortly after she was married. You see, Octavia Smith was married to a wealthy businessman, James Hatcher, in 1889. And shortly after, they would have a son together, Jacob Hatcher. Though, tragically, Jacob would not survive long after his arrival into this world, dying in his mother's arms just a few days after being born. This tragedy would send Octavia into a spiraling depression that would leave her bedridden and quite ill. The depression began to worsen, and her health continued to deteriorate as time went on. By April of that same year, she had slipped into a coma. Doctors were dumbfounded, and eventually, on May 2nd, she was pronounced dead by some form of unknown disease and was promptly buried. But several days after her funeral services were performed, many other people in the town of Pikeville began to suffer from a similar type of sleeping sickness that seemed to have been caused by some sort of insect bite. This sent one of the most elite families in the area into a panic, and Octavia's grave was quickly exhumed. What they found rocked the small town of Pikeville. The lining of Octavia's casket was torn and shredded by the bloodied nubs that were once her fingers. Her face lay clawed and contorted into an expression of helplessness and fear. Though you probably won't find this in any newspaper, which has led to critics and skeptics citing this as proof that this incident didn't occur. However, being the wife of one of the wealthiest men in the area, many newspapers saw this as a bad business decision as James owned thousands of acres of Pike County, a town that had essentially been created because of his logging and coal companies. But as the years passed, legends and tales of Octavia's demise circulated around the community, and it is rumored that the grave is still haunted to this day. Stories of the statue on her headstone turning away from the city of Pikeville on the anniversary of her death and muffled screams coming from underneath the soil where she was buried. People have claimed to have seen the spirit of Octavia walking the grounds where her corpse was exhumed. But all those are just stories, right? The following information comes from the book Beyond the Grave, written by Troy Taylor and published in 2001. Carl Pruitt came home from work one night and found his wife in bed with another man. After her lover escaped by jumping out of a window, Pruitt strangled his wife with a small piece of chain. Immediately after, perhaps having just realized the depth of his madness, he committed suicide. A few weeks after he was buried, Visitors to the cemetery noticed the pattern of a chain that was slowly forming on Pruitt's gravestone. The chain was caused by an unusual discoloration in the stone, and slowly it gained links until it formed the shape of a cross. At that point, it had stopped growing. Several locals began to suggest that perhaps the supernaturally marked tombstone should be removed from the graveyard and destroyed. But officials scoffed, and nothing was ever done about it. About a month or so after the chain stopped growing, a group of boys were riding their bicycles past the cemetery one afternoon. One of them, a boy named James Collins, 
decided to throw a few stones at Pruitt's cursed gravestone. Probably just to prove that he wasn't afraid and had little use for spooky stories. Whatever the reason for his actions, the hurled rocks managed to chip several spots from the stone. As the young men started home, Collins's bicycle suddenly began to pick up speed, to the point where he could no longer control it. It veered off the road and collided with a tree. Then, in some unexplained way, the sprocket chain tore loose and managed to wrap itself around the boy's neck, strangling him. Rumors quickly spread about this remarkable occurrence, especially after the examination of Pruitt's tombstone, revealing that no marks or chips even marred the surface of it. The other boys knew what they had seen, however, and their breathless accounts only fueled speculation about a vengeful ghost. James Collins's mother was especially heartbroken over her son's death. Less than a month after his accident, she had went out to the cemetery and destroyed the Pruitt gravestone with a small hand axe. She pounded and hacked at the stone until it lay in a dozen pieces. The following day, she was hanging the family wash on the line. Ironically, the clothesline was made from a small linked chain rather than the usual rope or wire. Somehow she slipped and fell, and her neck became entangled in the chain. She twisted and tried to get free, but it was no use, and she strangled to death. News of this most recent incident spread. A short time later, a local farmer and three members of his family were driving a wagon past the cemetery. For some reason, the farmer announced that he had no fear of ghosts and fired several shots at the Pruitt Stone with his revolver. Chunks flew from the marker, and immediately, the horses pulling the wagon began to run. Their hooves pounded faster and faster until the wagon was out of control. Family members all jumped to safety, but the farmer hung on, frantically pulling on the reins. Just as the wagon veered around a curve in the road, the farmer was thrown from his seat and tumbled forward. His neck snagged on one of the trace chains, and the motion of the horses snapped his neck. Once again, Pruitt's stone showed no signs of damage that had been done to it. The residents were now convinced of the fact that the grave marker was cursed. Things had gotten so bad that the local congressman was contacted and two police officers were sent out to the cemetery to investigate these stories. When they arrived at the graveyard, one of the men began to laugh about the stories and made fun of the idea of so-called ghosts and curses. Regardless, they took several photos of the stone and then left to go talk with a witness to the events surrounding it. As they were leaving, the doubting officer happened to look in the car's rearview and he saw a bright light coming from the direction of Pruitt's tombstone. At first, he assumed that it was just a reflection from the car's taillight, but then it began to get closer to the car. Startled, he began to drive faster, but the light kept coming. He drove faster and faster, always watching his mirror. His partner pleaded with him to slow down, but it was no use. The light was still coming. Just then, the car swerved off the road and crashed between two posts. It repeatedly rolled several times, and the officer on the passenger side was thrown clear of the wreck and only slightly hurt. Shaken, he climbed to his feet and went to his partner's aid. He found that his friend was dead, but he had been killed before the car had wrecked. As the car had passed between the two posts, a chain that had been hanging shattered the car's windshield and had wrapped itself around the driver's neck, nearly severing his head entirely. After this death, 
Residents began to avoid the cemetery altogether. Only one man, Arthur Lewis, decided to go there. He was determined to prove that the stories of a cursed tombstone were nothing more but superstitious nonsense. One evening, after telling his wife what he had intended to do, he went to the graveyard with a hammer and chisel and began to methodically destroy the grave marker. The sounds of the hammer and the shattering stone could be heard by all who lived near the cemetery, and soon after, they heard the blood-curdling screams as well. Several men grabbed lanterns and went down to investigate. When they arrived, they found Lewis dead with a long chain that had been used to close the cemetery gate wrapped about his neck. Apparently, something had frightened him, and he started running, forgetting about the chain that barred the entrance gate. Oddly enough, even though 10 or 15 people had heard the man breaking Pruitt's gravestone, there were no marks of broken places on it. We hope you enjoyed these two ghastly tales from beyond the grave, and thank you for listening. I mean it from the bottom of my heart that we could not do this without the support of listeners like you. So from all of us at the Spencer County Spooky Squad, we would like to wish you a safe and happy Halloween.